G'day, welcome to Lunch Money, where uh, workout special situations and commercial finance specialists give us their uh, weekly take uh, on the news headlines. Uh, my name's Nick Samios. I'm the director and fund manager here at uh, Hermes Capital, and uh, I'm your host. So once again, uh, welcome. Just a reminder to uh, like, uh, share, and subscribe to Lunch Money on YouTube or uh, to whatever podcast platform you're listening to. I'd like to get underway by introducing uh, the first member of our panel, who is Travis Dix. How are you going, Travis? Excellent for Friday. Fantastic. Travis is the Queensland Manager at National Credit Insurance Brokers. Uh, Travis was actually the very first uh, guest on Lunch Money, and uh, he's making uh, a reappearance here for us, and we're very grateful to him. His uh, first appearance was very popular because of the wonderful insights that he brings. It was a different time back then, Travis. It was early in uh, early in the COVID days, and we weren't quite sure what was ahead of us. There was, you know, uh, cover being cancelled, and then it was uncancelled. What's been yeah. happening, and what's really keeping you busy lately? Yeah, no, certainly there's a. Um a number of different industries, the insurers are, are certainly um, looking at the new business, but they're being quite weary about what's happening. I mean, um, some of the insurers um, are um, probably a little bit more cautious when taking on new policies at the, at the moment. There's probably two or three which are basically saying, hey, let's just wait until till about September, October before they'll start quoting on brand new business, whereas the there's another a couple of the insurers like QBE, for instance, they're, they're still open for business, but they are being a little bit more picky on the type of uh, businesses. So probably more um, food um, exports are, are okay, uh, grain, but certainly building construction, still uh, second-tier builders becoming a little bit tougher to get cover on. And also they're looking at people's uh, age receivables a lot more closely uh, as well as you can as you can appreciate. So if, if clients are um, got 20 or 30% outside of, of 120 days or 90 days, it's a little bit tougher to get a, a quote, that's for sure. Is that right? So they're, so they're very much focusing on credit management within their within the businesses that they're looking to, to provide cover to? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, a number of our underwriters, um, one of our largest underwriters in the market, uh, Cofast, just put out a, um, a national statement yesterday. They're, they're out, they are expecting in, eight, in the APEC countries a 33% increase in, um, in administrations over the next 12 months from 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 June onwards. So a lot, of, a lot of the insurers are a little bit nervous uh, and they, you can probably understand they're um, as much as they want to write a lot more new business and, and cover clients' uh, trade receivables, they just want to um, look at each particular case a little bit more uh, uh, a little bit more focused to make sure that um, how, how things are being affected. But we are seeing a lot of businesses at the moment who are, who are like you mentioned earlier, uh, are travelling quite well, which which is uh, you know quite uh, reassuring, and uh, I'm certainly taking the more positive view that um, you know things can there can be a quick recovery. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that uh, things didn't get as bad as everybody expected they were going to get, um, did, did they? So I guess you know you you're probably expecting to see an avalanche of claims, but it hasn't yeah. happened just yet. No, no, it hasn't yet, which, which is yeah. good. And certainly, as you're aware, a lot of those um, a lot of those changes have. A lot, a lot of clients have had that that relaxation period up until um, September, October. So the insurers are certainly preparing for a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say Armageddon, but they are quite nervous to see after those next six months of what's going to happen in terms of, you know, have, have people been a, um, have they done the right thing with, with JobKeeper? Has the money been put to good use? Um, yeah, yeah a, a number of those factors are coming into play. 
I guess uh, it's interesting that you talk about the management of the ledger. I mean, whenever we're looking at uh, where there's a credit insurance policy in place, we're, we're very cautious to make sure that um, uh, all, all of the normal uh, uh, conditions are being met, you know, uh, 90-day accounts, for example, are being reported, uh, limits, you know, people are, are sticking to limits and because I'm aware, obviously, that, that you have to um, play by a certain set of rules. Um, yeah. but, 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 but people can still get cover, though, and uh, new policies are happening, but you just... So do you, do you give advice? To, so you're able to advise customers uh, or new clients on how to make sure that their ledgers are being tightly managed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we offer obviously trade credit insurance is one of the major tools we, that we uh, provide. But certainly, in the in the case where some clients have had perhaps a, a really large amount of bad debts in the last twelve months, we have had a a couple of really large companies go into administration in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so we've had you know quite a few inquiries from those customers. And unfortunately, once the uh, you've had a really large bad debt, it is right now very tough to to place that business. So we're yeah. able to monitor their customers and. Um, Give them access to our database, which has about 1.2 uh, million live debtors. So, and we we receive that 90 day information uh, very very quickly once a month. So everyone who has a trade credit insurance policy has to just advise us of, of any accounts that are problem accounts or go into payment plan, and then we can send we send debtor alerts to our clients. So yeah. that's become probably more and more, as well as our collection divisions have probably gone uh, really skyrocketed at the moment because everyone's debtor days have uh, certainly been increased. Look, I think that the, the debtor alert, uh, I know that we've discussed this before, but it's a wonderful collection tool because if you yeah. say to someone, look, if you, you know, if you, you're going to fall, I know I've done it myself, you're going to fall into 90 days. I've done this on behalf of my clients. You're going, mm -hmm. to, you're going to fall into 90 days. We're going to have to report you to, to Travis and um, he's going to let everybody else know. So we don't want that to happen, obviously, and it, and it can be remarkably effective sometimes. So, look, we'll put you, uh, we'll just pop you on hold there yep. and we'll introduce our next guest, uh, Sharon Taylor. Um, Travis was coming in from Brisbane and Sharon Taylor is coming to us uh, from Melbourne. Good afternoon, Sharon. How are you going? Hi, Nick. I'm well, thank you. Fantastic. Now, Sharon runs the... Uh, the uh, uh, analysis and research uh, area um, at Performance Property. So she's a property market research uh, and, and, and analyst uh, advising people on property uh, investments and portfolios around Australia. Um, what's what's keeping you busy? I guess we haven't we haven't spoken to you uh, on lunch money before. So what's what's keeping you busy lately? And what sort of changed in your world in in the last you know since all this COVID stuff started happening? Yeah, well, I suppose personally, uh, as you said, head up the research team. So at the beginning um, and ongoing, we're looking at, you know, we're data focused and our advice is, is comes from the data. So really going back in history and understanding, you know, through past crises or recessions or depressions, what happened to, you know, unemployment peaks, where did price houses, price house movement go on a national level and then breaking it down onto into a capital city level as well. Um, and, you know, what with, and comparing that to obviously what happened with the share market at the same time. So just understanding what happened to house prices through those um, through those eras, um, and obviously we can't we don't forecast or we can't forecast exactly what is going to happen. No one can, uh, sure. but we can use that data as a as a base to know what happened. And I mean, what what we discovered is the national house price very rarely fell when the crash when the stock market fell, um, and right. you know, unemployment got to peaks of twelve percent um, in with the nineties ninety three. Um, where house prices still rose on a national level. So, you know, we, we believe that the un, um, 
there'll be different markets that move at, at different paces um, and, and a lot of that will come back to the fundamentals that existed in those markets prior to COVID. Um, there'll be, you know, there'll be strong markets and there'll be, you know, not so strong markets and, and asset classes within those markets as well, which will perform better. Right. Okay. So you, yeah. So you're you're providing the the you're, well. You're undertaking the same level of, uh, I guess, econometrics and all that sort of fancy stuff that that, that share uh, that, that happens with share analysis and what have you. By the sounds of things. Well, I don't know if it's that fancy or not, <laughs> but you know, we 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 use the raw data that's available to us. Um, yeah. We're not, I suppose, just taking on other people's opinions as our own. No. We're, we're really yeah. we're analysing the data that can be, and I suppose the the. Um, the challenge at the moment is that you know the data is there's a lag in data so we, yeah. we we're taking on board what we're seeing on the ground um in the markets that we're active in um because at the moment apart from some statistics like unemployment rate for example is a monthly stat or vacancy rates a monthly stat it's very hard to see that data come through yet to know exactly how how it's going to affect and how it's affecting at the moment yeah. And uh, just before we go to our next guest, who, who are you mainly working for? What sort of client groups are seeking your, your services? Oh, look, our, our core client are sort of high, high income earners to 250k plus household income uh, that are looking to, you know, either, you know, use property as an investment strategy to pay off their their PPOR debt um, as fast as possible um, and looking to build sort of five to ten million dollar properties uh, portfolios um, and I, I only deal in the residential side of it but we offer the commercial the commercial advisory side of it as well for for clients who are needing to diversify out of just residential as well and are you you're also doing a little bit of work for accountants and uh, and solicitors and that sort of thing um, oh, look, we, we, uh, I suppose, yeah, we try and create strong referral relationships with those, yeah. those type of, um, uh, I suppose, expertise as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, always happy to, to, to help, help clients wherever they come from, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Well, look, we will uh, just put you on hold there and we'll just uh, introduce our next guest, uh, Nick Martin from, also from Melbourne, from BDO. G'day, Nick. How are you going? Well, well indeed, Nick. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. Now, Nick, I have to say it is just as well that I know you really well because you're not you're not really a LinkedIn guy, are you? I'm looking at your your LinkedIn <laughs> profile here, and it's 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 just a blank page. But I guess it's, it's a little bit like if you need to ask, then you know um, your, your reputation speaks for itself, Nick. And, and you're a you're a restructuring partner there at BDO, which is obviously a national firm. Um, and uh, what uh, what's been keeping you busy of late? I've got a really interesting matter at the moment, Nick. I've got a, um, a client that I'm working with who really is in the middle of a perfect storm. He's in an industry that um, his business has been decimated and at December he was on track for a $6 million profit and yet his business has literally evaporated but there's a very good underlying business. But he is exposed to landlords, so he's got a three-month holiday until the end of September. He's got his files being transitioned to the impaired asset area of his bank. He's got concessions until the end of September. He's got JobKeeper, which is sustaining his workforce until the end of September. All of his suppliers are sitting back and waiting because they can't take action until the end of September. Right. And so he's really looking at how does he pivot his business and, and reconstitute it. 
And he's got support from one of the state government um, industry funds, which is very good. So he'll he'll deal with all of his creditors. But his challenge then is going to be how does he fund the restart of his business? So right. he's going to use up all his petrol getting to that point. And so his gaping hole now is I'm going to need equity to fund the restart. That's right. that's his great challenge now. Okay. And it's pretty and- typical. Pretty typical of a lot of businesses. And is that a small business, a middle market? Uh, what what sort of size? Oh, it's it's a it's a six million dollar five or six million dollar profit business, right. which employs wow. about fifty people. So you know, it's a yeah. good family owned business yeah. that until December was going beautifully. I guess one of the issues in a business like that is that uh, you know they're eating away at the family wealth, aren't they? Just to to keep the doors open, as much support as they might be getting. Well, it's interesting, the, um, the impaired asset area of the bank has said, uh, we need you to consider contributing your home to our security. And right. So that makes for a difficult conversation with his wife at night time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. got to be a joint. He doesn't own the house, she does. What's more important, saving the family home and the marriage or the business? Yeah. And is it this kind of advisory work that that uh, you're seeing mainly? Because it's, it's, it sounds like it's an advisory kind of role, uh, as opposed to say a formal restructuring type of role. So it's mainly advisory work you're seeing at the moment. That's yeah, that's the case. But I think there, there'll be an inevitability with this particular matter that there will need to be some form of formal restructure to ensure that we get to the other side and are able to restart the business in a meaningful way. Yep. And in a, in a, in a, obviously you're with a, it's a large national firm BDO and and I know that there's you know you've got uh, capital raising and M and A people and all that sort of stuff. Is there a cross pollination on those sorts of deals or or files I should say? Well, th- there is, but um, I think it's fair to say that if you valued the business, it wouldn't have much back. Yeah, and you want to project right. forward. That's where the that's where the valuation complexities come into play. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm looking at a, a matter at the moment and, and, you know, we take an asset, we're looking at the assets, but I am, uh, I'm told that I'm competing with uh, other bankers who are taking an enterprise value view of the business and I'm just not sure how that, uh, how that works in, you know, in the current marketplace that, that we're in. Um, yeah, well, I, I know in your you... world enterprise value is not, not necessarily looked upon so favourably. Well, I know that in this case the impaired asset area of the bank will ascribe zero value to the security. In fact, they're probably yeah. underwater. So the right. threshold question is, what what does this business look like? What can it look like in six months, 12 months, two years? Because that's that's the chance to recreate substantial value. And so I guess in that scenario, the bank uh, the bank really has to play along, don't they? Because I guess it's a very delicate uh, a delicate path that the bank walks down. If you're saying that they're ascribing zero value at the moment, um, obviously, and if they're taking a view that in six months' time the business will be worth something, I guess they have to uh, tread gingerly. There's that, and there's also the mix of how do we how do we find equity to help mm-hmm. fund the start of this business? I mean, debts are part of it, mm-hmm. but to what extent will the bank support it, and to what extent can we source some equity to help with that restart? Okay. All right. Well, look. Uh, thanks, Nick. What we'll do now now that we've uh, we've introduced everybody, we'll bring everybody together and we'll move to our headlines. We're starting off um, with a look at the property market. Um, We've got a couple of headlines there. Sydney, Melbourne auction clearances surge. I know that uh, we have a a lot of friends uh, over on the West Coast. Um, I I noticed that uh, uh, WA or Perth doesn't seem to be mentioned in that headline. And uh, we've also got um, 
this interesting one that caught my eye about a US private equity launching a, a $1 billion fund for industrial property. Um, so I, I wonder, um, in, in, in your area there, Sharon, uh, what, what, what are you reading into these auction clearances? I noticed that in that article it talks about, uh, you know, there's a lot of bargain hunters, uh, bargain hunters out in force is one of the, one of the headlines. What, what are you seeing in, in your analysis? Yeah, I think um, buyers are looking for a bargain, that's for sure, but um, they're not necessarily getting it at the moment. Um, I mean, those auction clearance rates, it's definitely a positive sign, but I think you're, you're looking at very low levels. And if you go back to just February this year in Melbourne, for example, uh, the number going into auction was uh, about 1,200 as opposed to 400. Um, right. So I don't know if there's much we can read into it at this stage. Um, yes. I know on the ground in, in certain certain pockets, um, you know, I've been had reports that, you know, there's multiple registered bidders, um, you know, 10 plus in some instances for those good right. quality houses. Um, uh, so th there seems to be some pent-up demand. And we look back um, at two of the afford Melbourne's affordability, um, you know, it's at it's at lows as seen like back in 2009 at the moment as a result of those latest interest rate cuts. So if people are secure in their jobs um, and, and can get the finance, there's some really good, good it's really good buying at the moment. Mm -hmm. We're seeing really uh, low levels of good quality stock, which is also, you know, having demand pent up as well. Um, Brisbane's a good example of, um, you know, multiple 10 plus groups through opens we're seeing. Um, we're starting to see a good mix of off-market opportunities and um, and auctions as well. Um, right. All good quality stock coming onto the market in, in recent weeks as well. Um, and once again... Just, so that, that's interesting. So when you're doing your analysis, you just mentioned that you're getting groups of 10 plus to open. So you're going to that level of detail when you're, uh, when you're looking at uh, what's going on. Well, that's sort of that's our that's our observation of of our experts on the ground in in certain markets. So, if we mm -hmm. think about Brisbane, where we're in the inner city blue chip gentrifying areas, um, right. sort of ten k's from the city um, for good quality houses, and so that's right. what we're fo our focus on. So, um, that sort of stuff is yeah, it's all what we're experiencing um, when we're out there. Right, and um, so Travis, I know that uh, earlier on. I mean, before actually, earlier, you were talking about second-tier builders, for example, uh, getting trouble getting cover for those. So is that going to impact um, the housing market, do you think? Um, I don't know if it's going to impact the housing market. Certainly, um, I mean, a, a lot of your major building groups, I guess Hutchies and some of the the, the, uh, the real big uh, clients, they're, they're certainly um, a lot of the major projects are all full steam ahead at the moment, and I think... Certainly, Queensland with the with the Queen's Wharf, the new casino getting uh, built, that's certainly going to add another uh, a huge range of jobs, as well as the um, some of the new rail networks that have just been approved, and just up the road from where we are on Eagle Street, they're spending another billion dollars um, doing the, uh, that whole precinct. So, so certainly, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of positivity. Uh, coming to the market up here, but um, in terms of some of the regional markets are doing it tough, like we had uh, some large builders all over the Sunshine Close, up there uh, towards the uh, Cloundra Way right. only a few weeks ago, and that's had a bit of an impact to the market up there. Um, and same with the Gold Coast, they've, they've had a, a number of sort of um, 
it has been a bit of a slowdown on the Gold Coast over the last few months as well. So certainly we've had some large timber and. and well, you're, not, you're not letting us in. That's the problem. You know, we'd love to <laughs> to, to get across the water there, but. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully in a few months they, we, get, they get, we can change things uh, if something happens in the We'll wait and see, but uh, yeah. yeah, certainly. Well, July 10 looks like a like a special day, I guess. Uh, that's the uh, the. Uh, the main date in which I think everything's all uh, all opening, so I think all the all the restaurants in Noosa and the Gold Coast will be very happy. And uh, and Nick, um, I guess because uh, people know that you would come across distressed property from time to time, um, this uh, this billion dollar US private equity fund hasn't been knocking on your door looking for distressed property, or do you get in, do you are you are you getting investors looking for distressed property? Um, the short answer is yes. I'm not, but I'm hearing it. You know, you hear it in the corridors within the office, metaphorically, of course. I think one of the really interesting issues here is when we get to the end of September and tenants have to make their catch-up payments for the next couple of years, the question will be to what extent have these landlords tested the right. quality of the tenants that occupy this space? Right. And I think right. also, so I think that's going to have an issue, have an impact. And I also think that to a lot of existing property owners, what does what do the current concessions mean? For the returns to shareholders and the unit holders in those property trusts because mm. i think people have been taking the concessions i think that the property owners have been struggling to keep up with whether or not tenants have in fact qualified and to what extent tenants have overclaimed when they haven't right. been qualified Right. Yeah, play I think out. there's been a little bit of that as well. I mean, what's interesting is they're talking about uh, the, the mandate of this fund. They don't use that terminology, but they're looking for assets yielding more than 5%, uh, vacant assets with lease-up potential and uh, land that can be developed. So they're, they're looking like uh, they're looking for, for long-term stuff. All right, look, we'll move on to our next, uh, our next uh, set of headlines. Signs of a V-shaped early-stage economic recovery. Again, that's from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, but we're getting. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that they're talking about that in the US. Um, I mean, I don't know if any of you are, are watching the stock market, but it just. Uh, I, I don't understand it anymore. In fact, I had a, a friend of mine SMS me the other night that he that he'd um, actually sold his entire portfolio because he he just couldn't make head or tail of it. With all the on one hand we've got doom and gloom. On the other hand, the stock market seems to have been uh, going crazy. And the other the other uh, headline there that I've put together on this one is PM puts major projects. Uh, project approvals on fast track, so it, it looks like the government is looking to help things along with uh, with infrastructure, which I guess we could have spotted that a mile away um, that that was always going to be the case. They're looking to fast track approvals for 15 major infrastructure projects, including uh, Brisbane to Melbourne inland rail. So I'm not sure if uh, that sounds like they're going to cut us out here in Sydney. Uh, and there's also an, an electricity interconnector there. So. Um, I mean, I'll go to you, Travis. Uh, obviously, you guys, when you're getting cover, what what, what do you think of this? A, do you think we're going to see a V-shaped recovery? Is there anything in your line of work that, that suggests that? Um, no, the um, look, the, the insurers are a number of insurers are certainly um, quite optimistic at the moment. The um, they look, they are look, they're. QBE and a number of other, I guess some of the, the major insurers are, are very optimistic. They, they are giving every all the major clients a chance to provide updated financial. I guess the good thing is uh, with this year, the a lot of these companies which had were flying along until about February or March, their financials will probably show up show up quite well when they do their reports of September, as opposed to the, the, the following year. So that will probably um, help, uh, I guess, a number of our clients. 
in petroleum industries and a, a lot of these uh, the, the larger uh, policies that we look after will certainly um, help maintain some of the, the credit limits. Um, it's probably going to be the following um, year's financials, which may have more of an effect, which um, that's why most of the insurers are, are really interested to see what's going to happen in probably February next year is where they're, they're, they're probably peaking uh, at, at administration levels will probably be at its highest um, a couple of months after the uh, job keeper and and other other government initiatives stop. In this in this article, um, it says in the, well in the in the article about the US, it says that they had surprisingly strong sales at department stores when when the department stores reopened, um, and suggesting that that retail might be okay. On the other hand, you know there has been a number of um, chain retailers uh, that. That, that have uh, gone into administration. So, and I know that one of the concerns that I've, I've heard concerns about major retailers here and how that's going to affect um, the wholesalers that sell into those retailers. So um, anything specific along those lines, Travis, in terms of the suppliers into the retail sector? Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I just I caught up with a, with a large computer company uh, yesterday, and he was. They were saying they've, they've never been busier. Uh, I guess the IT services uh, and uh, Zoom and a lot of the uh, these government initiatives that they've, they've certainly seen a, a huge influx of people upgrading their um, you know, different parts of the computer, and I guess get games and sales of game. I didn't realize the uh, game sales had, had gone uh, gangbusters as well in the last four months, and. Uh, some of the some of the statistics she was telling me were, were absolutely scary. I'm not much yeah. of a gamer myself, uh, but um, so the, certainly the sales have, were, have been a, a record highs the last few months. So that's probably one of the industries in which have certainly um, been been fine throughout the uh, the, the COVID uh, period. Is, is um, and I, I, and I did hear the other day JB Hi-Fi is obviously having record uh, months as well. So a lot of people, are, I guess, are spending in, in those uh, in those areas to uh, at home entertainment. But well, there's, uh, there's no doubt about that. I, I know myself. I, I bought myself a new uh, Xbox One, uh, which I haven't really used very much. But I know when we started uh, Lunch Money, I, I I didn't have a, a microphone or any any equipment. You you couldn't buy it in JB Hi-Fi. These these places were empty. I'll just um I'll, I'll just ask Sharon just on that. Uh, that subject of infrastructure um, is that something that you're looking at in your in your analysis of various property markets? This this infrastructure spend that's queuing up. Yeah, we do. I suppose um, what we're looking at um, is, I suppose, per person spend. So we we know what the average, or before this, in um, in sort of before COVID, we knew that the average. Um, infrastructure spend per person on on sort of major projects was three thousand dollars per person in in the regions that we look at um, so we always know or look to know what's going on um, so that we we can we can compare and know you know where the spending's going but obviously you know the big projects that have they pushed forward and I think western Sydney um, has got a big one in there so Sydney hasn't been left out no. um, but um, yeah it's 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 got to be a good thing yeah and of yeah. course you know I think everyone was expecting that that's what would what the government would put forward as well I guess uh, yeah I mean m maybe I should be asking you for where 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 we should be looking to buy properties that benefit from these uh, you know maybe there's a few stops along the way of that Brisbane to Melbourne uh, fast train that uh, that are suddenly going to, um, to 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 boost. Listen, we'll go to the next set of slides because we are the clock is running down, uh, believe it or not. 
Um, now, look, uh, this is where we, we're putting on our doom and gloom hats here a little bit, but we are, uh, we are a restructuring and special situation specialist uh, uh, live stream podcast here, so uh, we do cover this stuff. So here we've got potential avalanche of small company wind-ups. We've got one in five home loan, uh, home loan deferral customers are in strife, apparently, according to the Fin Review there. Um, the PM said on the weekend we can't save everyone, and, and I'm reading between the lines there. I don't think it makes me a Nostradamus, but I think that in September, JobKeeper is going to end. That's the feeling that I get. I think that he's, he's setting us up for that. Don't expect it to keep going. Um, and beware the September cliff facing uh, major SMEs. So, so um, I'll go to you first, Nick. Uh, you've obviously got some ideas or some thoughts on this. Well, I think that... Everyone for the first couple of months was so fixated on how do we how do we keep the dream alive? Do we push on or do we bow out gracefully or do we hibernate? And I think that now that we're three months into this, people need to start thinking about what the next few months up to September look like and beyond that. It, because whilst the laws change at the end of September, the circumstances won't change immediately. So I think it's about those businesses that, use the lead time wisely to adapt, to recognise that JobKeeper is going to roll off, to recognise that concessions that have been granted are going to roll off. It's those businesses that think about and enact a plan now that will be in a really good position. Mm. But there is an inevitability that those that were perhaps underperforming before COVID hit and or those who spent or exhausted all their capital won't be able to restart in a meaningful way. So they're going to need some creative solutions mm. if they're going to restart and become sustainable again. I, I must say the uh, the case study that you gave us uh, in the intro there, I guess, was like a, it covered all bases, didn't it, about what's going on and, uh, and how it's being handled. Obviously, part of, the, uh, part of what you're doing is talking to people's bankers. I mean, what, what are you hearing uh, from inside the banks about how they're uh, how they're getting ready for this, and and uh, uh, the banks that I've spoken to, they certainly believe that September's the magic, you know, is the magic month. Would would you concur with that? And what, what are they doing to prepare? So I think you can't you can't forget that the Bahrain Royal Commission there's still um there's still a hangover from that. So the banks still have a reasonably conservative outlook on how they're going to conduct themselves, but you can imagine that there's certain imperatives within the bank that if they've got impaired assets, they need to allocate the right level of capital to them. And that yeah. has an impact in and around share price, credit appetite, credit pricing. And so there is an inevitability. It's a question of how the banks will deal with it. Yeah, they are I very concerned the, about their capital ratios, that's for sure. Yeah. Banks have warned the regulators that a fall in their unquestionably strong common equity um, from, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're concerned about it and how that's going to help them support they're saying to the regulators, look, we want to support an economic recovery, but we've got these issues with our capital ratios. Um, so, uh, Travis, you, you were beginning just, to... Just, yeah. just on that, Nick, it's only, a, it's only a month ago that the NAB raised several billion dollars specifically to provide for impairments. Yeah. So that's one bank. If you multiply several billion dollars times four, there's potentially yeah. a 10, 10 or $15 billion impairment allocation. So it, it's an interesting time. It is. Uh, it, it, well, it certainly is. What, what, what are you seeing, Travis? Because we, we sort of tend to look at the banks and see what the banks are doing, but you're obviously across uh, all sorts of trade trade suppliers. Um, are they all, do they all think that it's September when the wheels come off, or what, what are your thoughts there? 
Um, we're actually finding um, uh, the, the banks are just starting to open up this month. They said the, the last few months has been very quiet, and uh, in terms of you know, we're probably seeing you know, uh, we, we see a number of referrals now from I guess from from banks advising clients when they when they're looking at their um, their exposure levels. They they basically first thing that a lot of the I guess the more proactive bankers out there are asking, hey, you know, what happens if you know one of your, your one of your major customers fall over, and what what are going to be the impacts? And then sometimes we can have the policies that obviously assigned from there. But um, certainly the, the the last couple of weeks, the uh, and you mentioned the NAB before, I've just spoken to a couple of guys yesterday and they're, they're saying, Travis, we're all open for business and any, any, anyone who's, um, you know, any, anyone who's, who's looking for growth and and, and, and they basically have a, a range of industries in which they're looking at. Um, and they're certainly open for business at the moment. They said, you know, it was very quiet there for the last couple of months, but just a the last two weeks, there, there's been a big push, especially in the Queensland market, for um, just for, for basically to get out there and, and um, see what opportunities there are um, in terms of rates and doing doing new deals. So, um, I think yeah. Look, I, I've spoken to a number of finance brokers uh, the last couple of days on the equipment finance side, and they're saying they've they're super busy. Mm. Um, you know, they've got a lot of deals on, but whereas, for example, like a motor car lease, you know, take the most basic thing, you know, you used to be able to pick a car in the morning and have your finance in the afternoon, um, whereas now those things are taking four or five days, uh, simple things that used to be, you know, tick and flick, as they say, um, mm. now need supporting financial statements. So the deals are still getting done, but they're taking a long time. And I have heard of one of the major banks has actually uh, closed the doors for any new lending between uh, before June 30, just because they've got too much in their in their pipeline. I'll just just um, uh, Sharon, how does um, the bank credit? It's, obviously, the banks are taking longer to do approve deals. Um, how does that f uh, factor into your your calculations there for for property values? Um, oh, well, I think uh, I, I read that article and I think a key point there was that, that that author stated was about, you know, the banks are making phone calls at the moment to two clients to see how they're tracking. Um, mm. It was potentially the, the being open to extending their holidays because, you know, they don't want... They don't want this volatility if all of these um, defaults come into the market at the same time. No one wants that. It's good for no one. So um, I think that was a positive out of that where that headline just states, you know, it's, it's kind of doom and gloom. Um, yeah, right no, there. that's definitely right. Yeah, we, we're yeah. certainly he hearing that the banks uh, are wanting to, you know, they're, they're wanting to help. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the, the stat here is 480,000 customers whose total borrowing is $173 million. Um, have had a loan, uh, home loan deferrals. So that's um, that's yeah. that's a lo that's a lot. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I suppose once once again, I, there are you know markets. There's so many different markets across the country, and there will be some that fare better than others. Um, and even just looking at say the CBD vacancy rates for Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, where Sydney CBD vacancy rates have hit sixteen percent. Um, so you would expect that that in those markets in um, you know high students, high uh, short term rentals, um, you know could be affected more than say you you know your own occupier established um, established house in you know blue chip and blue chip inner city suburbs. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's what's interesting about what you do is, I suppose, looking at those sorts of things and, and how that affects different markets. I'm very interested to hear from Nick. I mean, do you you mentioned before the legal issues and you're talking about the wind-ups and that sort of stuff. Do you think it's September or is it later on the, in the year or is it early next year? When 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 are you cancelling your holidays from, Nick? I, I think it's the run into Christmas. 
Yeah. I think that there's still there's pent up demand. There's a level of optimism amongst business owners. The question will be, have we experienced a false dawn? And I right. suspect for some businesses that will be the case. Some will excel. But yeah. I think leading into Christmas, there'll be some difficult decisions that need to be made by those that are, that are borderline or perhaps underwater. All right, look, we'll quickly take a look at the last slide because I, I do want to finish on a high note. Um, there, again, a Wall Street Journal article here about running on fumes, restaurants trying to reopen. And this was uh, what we were saying before about, um, you know, they're being, they've, got a, they've got debts from suppliers they'd received. And I mean, restaurants is the, is the industry here, but it yeah. could apply to anybody. Um, you know, they've got debts from, you know, February, March that they still haven't paid because sales have been down. Uh, but, you know, as now, as the economy comes back, um, you know, they need to buy fresh supplies and, um, and that's obviously an issue where they may have had credit stopped. The other interesting, um, so we've got this issue of reopening and gearing up and ramping up and what I also found interesting was that small business starts, so startups are on the rise. Um, we had Mark Jason on from Link Business last week and he was saying that, you know, he's getting record numbers of inquiries from people looking to buy businesses. So there is a bit of, uh, a bit of optimism out there. Just, just by way of wrapping up, Travis, do you want to uh, sprinkle some optimistic holy water on this? Yeah, no, we're um, we're seeing um, a lot in the fruit and veg um, industry and agriculture, and they've certainly had a bit of a ramp up now with some of the restaurants, especially in in Queensland and, and towards the Tweed. I've had a number of inquiries where clients have, you know, they've had you know thirty percent growth just this this month alone. Um, with all the restaurants being back open, and and now we can probably, you know, depending on the venue, you can have up to I guess fifty to one hundred people in the uh, in the restaurant, depending on the size of the restaurant. So certainly, um, there's a bit of a optimism there, um, and uh, I'm seeing, and certainly a lot, obviously, a lot of major restaurants have been doing takeaways as well, and and some have, have, have basically, you know, have uh, have been basically borderline or probably, um, you know, tw you know, ten percent. Uh, only ten or twenty percent down on, on normal takings in, in some cases. So yeah. um, certainly, people are, are up here are, are very optimistic, and um, especially with the Howard Smith Wharves area underneath the Story Bridge, which is um, that's all happening this week. So um, you know, I, I think people are really getting itchy and ready to to go out. Yeah. It's more or less some of the buildings we're finding in the in the Brisbane in the city is that uh, they're not allowing many people in the lifts is probably the greatest issue we're finding. Um, I'm we're lucky. We're, we're, we already have twelve stories in our building, but the ones next door, uh, yeah, they, it, they they're basically only allowed. Right, well, look, we, we are out of time, so uh, we'll just uh, wrap up now. We'll, we'll, well, I'd just okay. like to uh, thank everybody for joining us today. Thank you very much to Nick Martin from Melbourne, from uh, from BDO, also from Melbourne, Sharon Taylor. Thank you very much for uh, for making the time and uh, sharing your expertise with us. And from Queensland, Travis, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you also to uh, to our live um, our live viewers. Um, most of our most of our views and listens come actually over the weekend. So a shout out to uh, to those people who are uh, listening to us on the weekend. There's nothing much on telly, so you may as well get some strategic intelligence and uh, get in front of uh, get in front of the curve. So thank you very much, everybody, and uh, thank you everybody much. Uh, thank you very much to everybody uh, watching and listening. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Thanks Nick.